too quiet. I'm going, I'm going to try to pull this off, but it's not going to be so easy to pull off because it, it revolves around a basic idea which is made explicit in the Kabbalah. And I'm wary of Kabbalah. The reason why I would like to engage in this is because it makes it very, very real and relatable. Are we ready? Okay, full engagement, like this. What happened to me on the, on the train this morning, get onto the train, it's, it's pretty, pretty crowded. An old lady gets on, she's got this one of these shopping carts, these legendary shopping carts, and she's on the train, and the train jolts, and she rams her, her shopping cart inadvertently into the woman standing in front of her. Uh, things start to get ugly very quickly. They're escalating, screaming match, screaming match. Yeah. She's getting, you know, it is known that these ladies with their trolleys can be extremely, extremely lethal. And uh, luckily there's an intervention. The security guard comes up and he just like kind of, he sorts it out. It was just like crazy how quickly things escalate. So I was thinking about that as, as I was coming to Shiva and then, I just, I just totally made that up. It didn't, it didn't exist. I just totally fabricated that on the spot right now. This is something we've done before, but it's a recognition of how powerful words are. Because by me fabricating those words, I put into your brain a reality that you're going to run with. And if I don't tell you otherwise, for the rest of your life. So speech is not just me speaking, it's me creating what am I creating? I'm creating the world. I'm creating the world. Which world am I creating? The one, that I live, the one that I live in. And therefore, if speech is the ultimate creative medium, it must mean that there must be a relationship between me speaking or me creating and the creator in the way that he does the same thing as me. Meaning, i got to learn to speak like Hashem speaks. When I speak like Hashem speaks, so then, let's see what happens. I'm going to give you four categories, four categories of different forms of word smithery. Using words to bring into the world reality. Number one, you and I can be speaking, but I want to manipulate your feelings to get something out of you. So I feel one thing inside, and I tell you something very different. You and I could be speaking, but I want to avoid confrontation. So I feel one thing inside, and I say something very different to your face. You and I could be speaking, but I want something from you, and therefore I compliment you in a way which I don't really believe is in any way true. In that form of speech, there actually a duality starts to evolve. Meaning, what's a duality? I feel this way, I say those things. There's a discord. The reality, the internal, what I am inside, is not what's being expressed outside. It's two, it's not one. Category number one of destructive dibu words. 
Category number two. I'm cynical. I'm mocking. I mock. I laugh. I scorn. When I use cynicism, the power that it has is to take something which has gravity, has meaning, has power, and totally destroys it. And it's non-discriminatory. Cynicism can destroy the most precious, powerful, idea, ideal person, even to horrific degrees. So, for example, if I make a mockery out of something as absolutely horrific as the Holocaust, people can laugh. And what does it do? It totally undermines the entire gravity of what occurred. And so it just becomes, oh. I saw back in the day, and you'll see that this is how it works. There was a great show, it was called Hitler on Ice. You want to laugh, because it takes this demonic empire and reduces to a funny joke. Cynicism is the words that destroy, demolish and decimate the gravity of an idea, an ideal, a person, an event. The third category of negative, creative expression would be simply lying. What I did to you just now. Fabrication. I told you something which has no actual origin in the experiential reality. It was a fiction of my mind. And the fourth category that I could be misusing my creative verbal energy would be negative speech. Not that I say something which is untrue, but in any situation there's always complexity. And I choose what to focus on. The same person I can describe as lazy, I can say he's so relaxed. Because both are true. And when I utilize my words to suck out of an ambiguous reality all the dark sides, all the negativities, that's negative speech. So these four different modes of verbal engagement become manipulative manipulative words the discord between what's inside what I really think and what I say destructive words by me demolishing disrespecting through scorn and cynicism fabrication lies, falsehood, illusion simply saying something which is not and finally Negative speech, bringing out the worst of everything and everyone. This way gets pretty cool. The Gemara in Soita says there are four groups of people that which literally means they aren't able to see, receive the face of the Shekinah, the face of the divine presence. They can't see eye to eye with Hashem. There are four groups of people who don't see eye to eye with Hashem. Now, when I don't see eye to eye with you, it means that we're in the same room. We may be looking at each other physically, but we're so removed in terms of our orientation, what we believe in. So the expression of not seeing eye to eye means we're just on two different pages. I just have nothing. We have no, no correlation, no overlap. What I say, you don't, you don't subscribe to what I, what you say. I don't subscribe to. There's a discord. There's a dislocation between us. means these modes of communication 
are inherently discordant with spiritual engagement. Keeps us isolated, away, far from connection. The opposite of those four would be, of course, connective. Instead of speaking with duality, saying one thing but feeling another, I speak from my heart with genuine, true, authentic presence. Instead of being scornful, cynical, I become respectful, in awe. Instead of lying, I make sure that my reports are accurate and that the facts corroborate what I'm expressing. And instead of speaking negatively, I bring out the positive, the beauty, the power in the world. The creative energy which is manifest all around us the whole time, the world that is on a spiritual level has a few different qualities to it. Quality number one, when I'm able to penetrate the guise of a diverse world filled with multiplicity and recognize that there's a unifying force, my first transition to spiritual awareness is much like that of Avram Avinu. One of the recognition that all these diverse and disparate things are somehow coordinated. There's a gigantic, intricate ecosystem that binds everything together. And despite the seeming lack of relationship between historical events, cause and effect in relationships, personal struggles and challenges, when I become attuned to the notion that there's a deeper force, there's an author and there's a plot, and I start to find the thematic repetition in the plot, I start to recognize that there's actually a divine mover making it all come about, I'm able to break through the illusion of duality and discover the reality of oneness, of unity, and that even though things appear to be many, they are essentially one. And the same animal that attacks the antelope is actually creating the life that the antelope needs. Because were the antelope not to be attacked and killed, so the antelopes would overproduce, they'd decimate the landscape, and they'd all die. So ironically, the death of one is a preservation of all. And there's this intricate cycle where everything is perfectly timed and balanced, and it's all one, and it's all one, and it's all one. So the creative energy in the world, when I'm ascribing to that spiritual goal, is one of oneness, unity. The second point of the creative energy is it's making something. The world was brought into being. It was brought into being to be a solid edifice, something which is sturdy. A third component of creative energy is connectivity, relating to the fact that the experience in the moment has value and not drifting off into my thoughts and superimposing onto this moment my own wish fiction narrative. But really recognizing that there's a cohesion between the outside environment and my internal perception. That the model of the world that I'm experiencing is the world itself and not a self-invented structure. True. It's true. And finally, that the world is a positive place. That the world is a place of goodness. That the world is a place of having a favorable eye at actually what's going on around. The, creative, the world was created for good. 
when Hashem goes over the creation, if it's good, it's good. The creative energies manifesting in this world are unifying, are building, are corroborated, connected, and are positive. And that is hidden in the four letters of the name of Hashem. The first letter, which is Yud, is the smallest letter. It's indivisible. It's the only letter in the Hebrew alphabet as written with the Ashurit script. It's the only letter which is indivisible. All other letters are combinations of multiple other letters. A He is a Dalit with a Yud. A Shin are three diagonal Vavim, etc., etc. Each letter has multiple other letters combined to make it into a full letter itself. The only exception is the Yud. Tiny little dot. It's a symbol of oneness, of unity. But its numerical value is 10. That despite perceived disparity, multiple different items, there's a unity. It all flows together. So the first letter in Hashem's name corresponds to the first way of we creating. We must create with our own internal unity to make sure that what I say, I mean. It's intuitive, it's understandable, it's authentic, it's genuine. And the opposite, the fracturing of that yud would speak manipulatively, to flatter. So the first creative energy in our words corresponds to the first group of people that either we are engaged in that same creative process or we are disparate from it. And the creative process is a unification, a connection. Uh, what is inside comes out and it's totally coherent and cohesive and co- creates a kind of connection. The second component of Hashem's name is the hay. The hay is both graphically a hand with a coin inside, giving over. But the word hay in its own right means take this and go with it. It's the ultimate expression of creation and the actual sound of the <sighs> is a breath which is the ultimate sign of life, creation. And Hashem breathed into man the breath of life. <sighs> So the hay is making things come into existence. That's the hay. It's creation. It's building. The inherent opposite of the hay is destruction, corresponding to the second group of people who, through their cynicism, take an idea, an ideal, a world, and they destroy it through their words. Complementing the people that speak with respect and or maintaining the structures, building, not breaking. The third letter of Hashem's name is Avav. Avav is the conjunction. It's also completely straight, showing straightness, integrity. What is inside comes outside. And it's a conjunction. And and joins two things together. The Vav joins the inner reality with the outer reality to make sure those two are completely aligned. It's the letter of alignment. The world has an internal integrity between the inside and the out. That's what truth is all about. And that's the third energy in the name of Hashem. The Yud, the oneness, the He, the making, the Vav, the integrity, the truthfulness, the accuracy. And the final He is a repetition of the creative act. But the creative act is not only building, it's building something specific. It's building something good and positive. And therefore, if through my speech I flatter, it's not that I'm not being a nice guy and I'm being manipulative with my words. It means I'm inherently undoing the fundamental creative energy which drives the universe. When I become cynical, it's not that I'm not being a nice guy. 
I'm using an energy which is fundamentally destructive. I'm undoing the fundamental creative energy in the universe, and I'm embracing the anti of everything that is. When I lie, I'm undoing. I'm creating a reality which has no cohesion. The breaking of the severing of the vav and disconnecting the two parts and everything is random sticks flying around as opposed to one long perfect line. And when I focus on the negative and I speak badly about people and things, the world that I bring into being through my creative words is a negative one, inherently undoing the purpose of creation to create a place which is good. Which is good. Our discussion began with how in the world do we inculcate a spiritual manifestation? How do we show up in this world as godly beings? Well, mirror the creative process. But how do I do that? Am I a god that makes the world? Well, yes, in a certain way, for sure. Well, how, what kind of world can I build? You can build a world of unity. What kind of unity can I build? The world that you build when you speak genuinely and what's inside is outside, you're now living in a world of unity. You're now embracing the energy of the fact that things which are disparate are actually connected. And I'm taking the feelings inside and expressing them through that conversation and then it's not like there's many, but there's one. There's not this falseness where I say one thing to you, but I feel something very different, then I'm destroying the basic creative energy of the world. When I use my words with wisdom, and I try to plant them to show respect, to show honor, and to build up the other, the idea, the beauty, I'm embracing the creative energy of building. And when I do the opposite, and I'm cynical and dismissive, and I scorn, I'm undermining, I'm uncreating, I'm discreating, I'm non-creating. When I make sure that what I say is accurate and cohesive to what occurred, I'm setting up a channel of alignment between reality and report. And when I lie, I disrupt that and undermine the creative energy in the world. And when I speak badly about people, and I keep on bringing out all the nasty sides of things, I manifest in my speech and in the world the dark side, which is the inherent un of all the created worlds. It's good. The world is good. I can choose to make it bad, but it's good. So I can as easily choose to make it good. And then it becomes an amazing act of spiritual connection in the most random conversation. And the way that I conduct a dialogue with someone else becomes a gold mine of spiritual connection and an inherent manifestation of godliness. When I'm honest, authentic, there you go. That's what I'm doing. I'm creating a world of connection unity. 
How's that? Powerful. It's, it's a slightly uh, abridged or adapted version from something that I many years ago heard from a certainly great man called Rimo Shapira, and he put this across based on this Gemara. But it's beautiful because it says, when you do those things, the negative side, the kind of relationship with Hashem. So as we're thinking about spiritual growth, very often people get the wrong side of the stick. Well, I want to grow spiritually. So so young student comes up to Rabbi. Rabbi, tell me, like, what's my next step? So I say, well, you know, how are you with cynicism? He says, no, Rabbi, I'm not interested in that. I want to grow spiritually. I want tefillin, tzitzis, shabbos, kashrus. Give me something spiritual, something fundamental to Judaism, like growing payers, a beard. The shackle. The fast shackle. The super fast shackle with the deep, extensive angle combo. I would do it, but I'm going to hit my head against that. <laughs> Where's the next step? I want to go spiritually. Where's the next step? It's ill. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. Where should I go to? What's the next rung on the ladder? I'm going to keep 19 hours between meat and milk. No. I'm going to, before I say a brocha, do a 30 SPM warm-up. Included with scrunched up face, intensely closed eyes, clenched fists. How's that sound for spiritual growth? I'm going to fast. I'm going to learn an extra 18 hours in my spare time. Etc., etc., etc. Missing the point, mate. Missing the point. Let's talk about the, the meat and potatoes. And this is really hard. This is like hard stuff. It's much easier to put on filling. Wrap them in black boxes. It's much harder to, when I feel this inner resistance to be genuine, to actually speak my truth. To be concerned that I'm reporting. Because sometimes it is so enjoyable just to manipulate a little bit of the details of an event to make it more tasty or more whatever. And therefore, ironically, this is often a core of where we need to invest our energies, which is so unexpected to me at first glance, but so evidently powerful when reflected upon. Does that make any sense to anyone? Does it make a lot of lots of sense to everyone? Mm-hmm. Right, that could be too ambitious. Yes, young man. What's the last hey of Shem's name? Both Hays are creation building. The first one is the fundamental creation of the world. The second one is a world that's good, positive, good. Iman. What about when two principles are Great question. So these are the fundamental things. What happens when being accurate in your reporting creates dissension and pain to the person? When you go over to a person, you say, to be truthful, that is the worst haircut I've ever seen in my life. And that's a very truthful statement, but it seemingly is, is, is not appropriate. It's not appropriate to say that, even if it's true. Um, good, good question. Should we shecht uh, or should we grow and develop and get legs? What do you think? What do you think? Maybe we should let it develop. Yeah, I would say so. Maybe nourish it, you know, nurture it, let it grow. Good Are question. Are still talking about the hair? <laughs> 
it always seems to come up. Jason. That's the work, right? That's the work. In other words, it's lovely, it's lovely to say and easy to say. But what happens when I get to a person and I just feel compelled not to tell them what I really think because it's just going to create this massive blow-up. And even though the blow-up in the long run may be really healthy and will communicate, but there's this fear that grips me. That's the work. That's the work. I have to look inside myself. What is the fear about? It, it causes having this as almost as a gold standard gives me, it's, it's really goalposts. So when I know where the goalposts are and I see, okay, well, oh, oh, that conversation was a little bit off. Let me just like rework. Well, what could I do next time? So, it's, it's, you know, and, and the answers to those questions are pretty much as individual as we are because we've got different drivers. So, for example, culturally, Israelis are, are far, far more open when, they, when something goes wrong. They're like not reticent about sharing it with you, even if they just met you half a second ago. Whereas in Western cultures... There's a lot more of uh, avoidance and passive aggression, like not saying what we mean. So, those are, how, do I, how do I deal with that? And Yossi. Um, so, you mentioned that the uh, like the task of becoming authentic is is evidently powerful, and I very much agree with you. And it's it's a it's a it's a very spiritual endeavor, um, and sometimes it can feel so spiritual and so meaningful and so true mm-hmm. that in one's mind and mental priorities, it could take precedence over other, say, uh, observance of basic halakha or desire. To You're saying the opposite to what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Leave the room. I'm joking. No, um, no, 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 I think you are. I think you are. I think you are. You're saying, like, I was saying, like, the things that are easy to access, like the, the, the observances and the mitzvahs, those are like, that's, that's the easiest pie. And uh, this is where you've got to put your inve- invest your efforts. And you're saying, oh, if you invest your efforts in this, you'll just like neglect everything else. So I didn't hear the last part. If you invest your efforts in this, you may just land up neglecting everything else, thinking, oh, this is where I've got to put my efforts, so I'm not going to dive in chakras anymore. In theory, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it works like that, because I actually think that the, the overtly spiritual practices are in a certain way easy. This is the hard stuff. So we generally go for the easy stuff and avoid the hard stuff. No, I'm saying so the the search for authenticity mm. that is the most like that is the hardest mountain to climb. Right. That is the highest spiritual summit. So right. Like, if that is such a meaningful spiritual summit to climb, right. Then what am I doing? And I mean, cross the show, but what am I doing when I'm beautiful, beautiful? Well, listen to this. Listen to this. This is huge. Everything else that you're doing is driving you to that point. These, this baby. Etc. It's all driving you to this point. It's driving you to this point. To be discussed further, gentlemen, one last question, Mr. Sharvit. Um, so, sp- going with Emmanuel's question, yes. hurting someone else, yes. what if, you know, there is, when someone has low self worth and chooses to hurt themselves, because Speaking to myself badly is the same as hurting right. another person. Right. So where is the alignment Great there? Great question. Should we check that or should we let it grow and develop and question and explore it? <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, James. Be blessed. <laughs>